0: Hey there, you're listening to Podcast of the Day. This is Grant, and let's jump into today's podcast. Today's podcast is called Hi-Fi Nation. It is about philosophy and the amazingness of it. Um, It's produced mainly by a, a person named Barry Lamb. He is a teacher, professor of philosophy, and this podcast is pretty much like on my essentials list. If you want to get into uh the world of podcasting, if you and if you especially want to learn some stuff about philosophy, Hi-Fi Nation is your go-to. It's going it, to it just has to be up there because it's so it's so good. Um, it's definitely like top 10, top 5 of my favorite podcasts that I've ever listened to and Barry is magnificent at making philosophy accessible and easy to learn and digestible, um, and and so many more things. So um, I really, really can't wait to show you this. I have a couple of clips to show you, and then I have an exclusive interview with Barry from HiFi Nation. So um, I I don't want to wait any longer. Let's jump into
1: the clips. But there is this kind of gendered oppression that men have endured, and it has a lot to do with violence. And you see this not just in the military, but Men are much more likely to be the victims of violent crime than women. The pressure to engage in injurious sports. I am saying that men as men have been asked to do something quite burdensome. Tom Digby. The higher suicide level, the fact that men die at younger ages. One explanation that I've sometimes considered is that men simply don't take care of themselves as well. They don't take care of their health. They don't seek medical help and they don't seek emotional help. And I can remember sitting there on the last day, I'm like sitting out there, if you've ever been in the desert, like the night sky is crystal clear. And I just remember sitting out there, and I'm like, I don't think I'll ever be back here. And I remember looking up at the night sky and just being totally depressed. People talk about vets or soldiers having solidarity and all that. Not all soldiers go through the same stuff little things that shouldn't have been a big deal to me because they were more or less inconsequential in terms of outcomes would really bother me because they, the thought process was the same thing that led to catastrophic outcomes downrange. And so I'd get really upset by them. It wasn't healthy. And I realized that part of the way through and I said, you know, ultimately I just I need to leave for all parties. I don't hate the army. I love the army in a lot of ways. This isn't
2: there's a tradition within African-American communities of interactions between Christians and Muslims. It explains how the African-American community might see the relationship between Islam and Christianity differently from the white community. Surprisingly, this view of Islam is actually historically longer-lived than the view of Christianity and Islam as incompatible religions. Professor Paul Griffiths.
3: Christians have responded to Islam from the beginning of Islam. The earliest detailed discussion of Islam by a Christian theologian comes from the seventh century, only about three decades after Muhammad, and that's by John of Damascus. And he categorizes Islam as a Christian heresy. That is to say it's a form of Christianity that's got some fundamental things wrong. Uh, And that way of thinking about Islam went on for a long time. I would say it was the dominant position among Christians about Islam for 800 years. It's only much later, really beginning in the 14th and 15th century, that Christians begin to talk of Islam as a different religion. And that's partly because the evolution in the idea of what a religion was, was going on at the same time. And you don't get that position as standard really until the 15th century.
2: How much power do you think dead people have over your life? If you think the answer is very little, ask yourself this question. How much influence on the world do you hope to have after you die? How do you think other people would answer this question? A lot of people, dead people, are still getting what they wanted. They're exerting their power long after they've died, and all of us are doing it for them. From Duke University, you're listening to Hi-Fi Nation, a show about philosophy that turns stories into ideas. I'm Barry Lamb. The show today, The Wishes of the Dead. It's about how much money we spend satisfying the desires of people who died a long time ago. These dead people aren't going to complain if we stop serving their interests. So why do we do it? Why do we keep doing it even when things are so different from 50 or 100 years ago when these rich people were writing their wills? And why do we keep on doing it, even when the wishes of the dead conflict with the needs and values of the living?
0: So there you heard a few clips. If you like it, make sure you check out... The links that I put in each of the clips, they all link to the website where you can find out all the information, all the different episodes that Barry has, and a ton more. Um, I really recommend looking at it more. There's a lot of great content in each of these episodes, and there's so much to learn. It's incredible how much Barry puts into one episode, yet it feels so... It doesn't feel exhausting to listen to it at all. It's 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 captivating, and it's energizing, and it's it's a fantastic listen. Um, I, I really recommend it. Out of all the things that I've recommended, this is one of my top ones. And if you've ever listened to it, actually, feel free to call in and let me know um, what, what your thoughts are on it and all that good stuff. But anyways, I have an interview with Barry, and I want to play that now. So here is the interview. Uh,
2: my name is Barry Lamb. I'm the host and executive producer of the Hi-Fi Nation podcast. Um, I am a philosophy professor at Vassar College, and I got a fellowship to produce the first season of the podcast at Duke, where I did it uh, this past year. Uh, Season one's got 10 episodes out already. The show is, uh, the tagline of the show is, a show about philosophy that turns stories into ideas. So it's really one of these, um, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say that. It's really modeled a lot on a lot of these narrative podcasts that try to, Bring big ideas through narrative storytelling. And in this case, um, the big ideas aren't from science or from, you know, like psychology or anything like that. It's from philosophy, which is this kind of hum- humanities discipline that has this like 2000 year history. But a lot of people don't know, but, you know, it's not about reading and thinking about old dead guys. It's actually a lot of people today are still working on the same kinds of issues and writing about them. And so the show is bringing those kinds of big ideas, but through but through storytelling, through journalism, through history, through um, law, through you know the kind of thing that people are familiar with if they listen to a lot of podcasts.
0: Well, I gotta say, uh, HiFi Nation has definitely been on my list of podcasts that I've wanted to highlight for a long time now. I just never, I guess, I never reached out. But I'm so happy that you are uh, that you're on board with it and. I've been a fan of the podcast for a long time now, so I'm super, super happy with it. And I want to ask you, how did it really begin for you? Uh, like, were you always into podcasts, or was it just sort of a thing that came about all of a sudden?
2: Well, I am probably just like you and just like a lot of people who found, you know, this kind of narrative form. I don't know. It's been around for on the radio for like 20 years, but like in the podcast form, you know, since podcasting, which was like... What ten ten years ago, something like that, right? Um, and so I was gripped by the power that it had um, in bringing people in who just wanted to be entertained with something, and then coming away with it with some kind of feeling that not just I mean that you've learned something that, but that's kind of just putting it pretty mildly, right? You kind of mm-hmm. feel in a in a very good episode that you're hooked in it in a certain way. It makes you think a lot longer, and and I and I was. And I, you know, I started in professional philosophy. You know, my first job was like sometime in 06. And I had this idea. And I thought, well, there really should be a show like this for the kind of things that I think about and people mm-hmm. like me think about. And that didn't exist um, and still doesn't exist, I think, except for Hi-Fi Nation. I think like, a lot of shows like, that, that are in this genre are really preoccupied with, I, I, would, I would call it the social sciences, right, economics. Right. Psychology, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. um, or you know, hard sciences. Like, let's talk about genes or something like that. And uh, and so, I always wanted that show to exist. And then I was sitting around. I was called to the the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, um, which is I don't know, like an hour from where I work, uh, hour north of New York City as well. And um, and it was for something. It was like a conference on teaching or something and i was suddenly sitting around you know a lot of veterans who were who had just come back from the iraq and afghanistan wars this was i don't know 2010 2011 sometime around then mm-hmm. and they were talking about their experiences in war and uh, which you know you don't get to you don't get to be around guys like that i don't i don't know you but like you know like i don't come from military family i, I you know i don't run in circles where you have a lot of military guys so that was it so that was interesting like war stories are interesting right Um, number two these wars no matter which side you're on are to put it mildly morally (laughs) you know ambiguous right they're 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 morally difficult wars you know we're still fighting them actually Um, Mm -hmm. and these soldiers had a lot of very interesting things to say about the morality of warfare and um, you know they thought a lot more about it than you would, than all of us have because they lived those experiences. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, I remember thinking this would make a great first episode of this podcast that didn't exist yet. Which was, um, you know, soldiers who had gone through a lot of experiences in wartime that are now thinking about the ethics and morality of warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, whatever it was three years later, that's the first thing I produced, which turned out to be episode two and three of the season. Um, I from producing that I got I didn't know whether it would work I didn't know whether storytelling and philosophy would work philosophy is pretty abstract um, people try to talk about issues in philosophy that are you know many steps removed from human experiences and so I didn't know how it would be done nobody had done it before so it was very hard to try to see how it would work but once I had f- finished the beginnings of it which turned out to be episode two, I started thinking, yeah, I think I have some kind of format for this. Um, And then so when I ended up going down to Duke for the year, I thought, well, now I'm just going to try my best to think of the most eclectic range of issues that I want to show people philosophy can highlight. So it's like killing and warfare. That's like, whoa, deep, heavy, but not everybody's going to be taken in by that or they're or they're going right. to think well that's if that's what philosophy is then they have a very skewed picture and so i thought well what else could i do well philosophy kind of you know captures the range of experiences so i thought let's try to do a light episode i did an episode about music that was pretty light
0: that's awesome and i, I appreciate your answer and i think um what part of what i liked about your podcast so much is that it felt like philosophy was actually an accessible thing where it wasn't this huge monolithic just idea it it was accessible and there was certain ideas that really drew me into it so um as going into creating these episodes was there a typical process that you had or was it more so um just going off of different ideas and seeing where it takes you
2: well i didn't know going in whether I would have to be a journalist and then put on my philosopher's hat or right, whether okay. I could begin with as a philosopher. So, so one way of putting the problem is that I didn't know whether the ideas would come first and the story would come second or the story would come first and the ideas would come second. And it turned, okay. out, it turned out it's gonna be both and some episodes are gonna be one way and some episodes are gonna be another. And they're each gonna be its own challenge. So for instance, um, the first episode that I did was about the Hershey chocolate fortune Um, Mm -hmm. And that episode, I had the ideas first because I had long been thinking about, you know, why it is that as a society, we seem to put value on what the dead want, right? Um, Like like if the dead say, I want this to happen, we kind of make it happen, Mm -hmm. whereas they're dead, like... If we didn't do it, you know, they wouldn't care because they're dead already. But we feel ob- obliged to do it, so that's the puzzle. And I've always had that as an as a, as a question in my mind. Um, and so, the 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 task from that point was I kind of knew what the philosophy was, and I had to find the the, the perfect example of the story that'll make that question seem relevant, right? Um, right, right. And so, so a lot of episodes turned out to be like that. So like I had the idea first and I was like, okay, what's the right story out of like the 10 stories that I can find that will make it most, you know, come alive for people that'll draw them in? Absolutely, right? Because yeah. Because f- people who are in philosophy or into it actually don't care about the story that much. They're so into the idea already that they'll just be willing to just talk about the idea in the abstract. But that's not what I wanted my show to be. Other times, you know, I would come across an interview or something that I just can't, I just can't not do that interview and not air it as a show. But then it's like, what's the philosophy here? Like it's mm-hmm. just somebody who has like a cool, interesting thing to say. Um, and then that's a bit of a stretch then. Then I have to start thinking long and hard about what question this raises that would be interesting so a great example of that would be like the music episode like i did a show about mashups which was you know it was just a show about mashups like what i turned out it turned out that i had access to people who were you know mashup artists and like these scholars who like did analyses of mashups and i thought like i didn't have an idea for an episode ahead of time i just thought well that's kind of fun to produce a music-oriented episode about something that's kind of weird and Um, and when I had all of that footage, I was like, I mean, what's the issue here, right? Like what's the issue that is, you know, and so I had to think really hard about that. And luckily, like in that case, it's like something that I'm used to doing because that's what I kind of do for a living. I kind of think about like issues that are questions and stuff and Mm -hmm. then, (laughs) and then like try to, try to, try to teach them and, and so on. And so, so in, the, in those cases, sometimes I come across a story that's just too good to pass up, and then I have to think about what bigger questions that they raise, and then who has talked about those questions, that kind of stuff. That's the process.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, do you have a, a specific episode you'd recommend for any listener who wants to jump into it, or are they pretty all easily easy and ready to jump into?
2: I think they're all very easy and ready to jump into. I'll tell you what the fan favorites so far have been. So, episode 1 I think has been the one that is, you know, like most most accessible because, you know, there's a gripping story there about this guy who left his fortune to a orphan school for white young white boys and Mm. and so on and then there's a battle for for the money and so on so episode one the wishes of the dead and and that's a topic that's pretty accessible i think people can understand that topic pretty well Um, right in fact the the episodes that turn out to be the most popular are that one i have an episode um on uh i have an episode that features the filmmaker errol morris um that was pretty um pretty pretty popular the ones that I like are the ones that are a bit weirder. Like, so I like the music one a lot. I like, yeah, yeah I like episode four, which is called "The Name of God," which uh, that's that's the uh, episode about the question whether Christians and Muslims worship the same God, and that turns out to be a like complicated philosophical question. Absolutely, It's not. Yeah. It's, not it's not just something that. You know, religious people can just say yes or no. You know, it's like, well, there's actually it's actually really hard. And here are <laughs> like the hard issues. I actually like that one a lot. It it follows the story of a woman who was actually fired for having the wrong view uh, wow, about okay. that. And so I would say episode one, episode four. I would say that those those would be my my picks. Episode four would be like a producer's favorite. Episode one might be like a fan favorite.
0: <clears throat> Is it? It's just you working on it then, without additional help or anything.
2: Uh. Yeah, I have a couple of assistants that I had for a month in the summer, and okay. they helped me do a lot of transcribing. You know, you, when you interview, like, a, you know, 100 people, <laughs> you can't do all the transcriptions yourself. Yeah. Um, and so, and next year, I have to think about whether I want to, you know, bring somebody in professionally to listen to episodes and help me edit them. But so far, there's no plans to. I mean, so, like, I want to, but, you know, so far, it's been, like, written, recorded, edited, everything. Yeah, a lot of yeah. And so and so I, I'd like more, but, you know, I have to make do with what I have. And so absolutely, I, have to, absolutely. I have to rely on, you know, my own brain at this point. <laughs> I
0: think it's phenomenal then that it was it was you putting in that work. That's insane. Um, so in your teaching uh, job, do you you talk about the podcast at all? Or there, are they two separate things from one another?
2: I haven't. Um, okay. I think I will starting now there's no point in putting all that work in and have being that as a big part of your life and then have your students not do that at all like have your students right. take a really traditional you know up until this point i was a pretty traditional instructor here's your readings here's your syllabus here are your essays and you know i i hope and i'm going to change that i don't quite know I'm I'm actually asking a lot of my colleagues in like colleges across the country to like bring the podcast on board and a lot of them will. So that's going to be interesting to do but but that's it's fantastic. but yeah, but it's also one of these things where where it's a new thing. Like it's not we don't really know how to teach with this kind of stuff, right? And right, so right. I have to make it up as I go along there too. Um but but I'm definitely going to incorporate it. You know, I think like maybe every episode. Well, what what you're allowed to do in a college class is you can go in depth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the so a lot of the things that I have to skirt over on the podcast, we can actually read an article and talk about it for 45 minutes, an hour and a half, in class. And so like so that's one thing I'm going to do. I think I'm going to be able. We're gonna I'm going to let my students go in depth where the podcast just brings them in to a topic.
0: I don't think I've ever experienced a. Cause I'm a college student myself. I feel like um, I don't feel like podcasts really can apply in a lot of the curriculums that we just have set up right now. But it's kind of an interesting idea that maybe it could play a part in some sort of teachings in the future, or even like right now with you. That's that's really a different idea.
2: Well, you're you're a college student. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a, a, a dirty secret about you know things. Right. Um, uh, the curriculum is what we as your professors make of it. In America, right, right. we have very as true. much freedom as possible to teach whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not true in other countries. Actually, it's not even true in the other countries where we admire, like mm-hmm. Britain or you know, you know France or something. And so, we are surprisingly people talk about like liberal professors. We are surprisingly very conservative as instructors, right? We generally teach what we were taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think that that's the generally the right way. um if there isn't anything that is in the curriculum, it's only because we're conservative and it's gonna take another twenty years, right? But if you have professors that decide to take bolder initiatives, like those are the ones you should take they're gonna you're gonna have they're gonna have more interesting things to provide like newer things. Cause one of the things in academia, like as as it, you know, when you teach college kids, you don't want to be too risky because you kind of think, well, what if they leave college and like everybody expects them to know this thing, but they don't know it because everybody was taught the way I was taught out there. So they're gonna expect you as a major and whatever to know this thing. And so yeah. that's why we worry about so we are conservative because we think it's it's doing you good, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. on the other hand, like that just means that you know, by the time you know, podcast narrative journalism, this this whole genre gets incorporated, it's like twenty years behind the times, right? Like the yeah, genre yeah, would exactly. have moved, moved along. And so i I've been like that. I've been teaching for ten years. I've been like that. But now I'm thinking, you know, I have some more freedom. I have enough confidence in thinking that you know what, like I'm going to do something more interesting in the classroom. HiFiNation.org. that's hi-fi with a P-H-I, right, H-I-P-H-I-Nation.org. You'll have links to wherever else you can find us. We're on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all of the podcatchers. We are on SoundCloud. I have a Facebook page that you can like, and I'm on Twitter as well. So people can, they can also email me story pitches, and if you're interested in philosophy um, or anything else, you have a story pitch that you think you've experienced, a life experience with a big philosophical question. You know, email me. I, I'm, I'm really open. I respond to everything.
0: So, HiFi Nation, if you are not convinced on checking it out now, then I guess I'll never win you over. No, I'm just kidding. I love it. I think it's probably still in my top 10 top five like i said earlier and i hope you did too if you did enjoy it and you listened to it and you 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 followed through and all that good stuff let me know i I would really love to talk about it with you or love to talk about any podcasts in general so feel free to call in let me know what you think um i always appreciate it and uh yeah so i hope you enjoyed hi-fi nation let me know again what you thought and i'll see you back here tomorrow on podcast of the day